gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so. We welcome Jeremy Stevens to the show today. And we're going to talk about the latest news. We're also going to preview the Bellator card coming up here the day after Thanksgiving. And before we forget, I want to wish you all a happy holiday week. Some of you may have already taken the whole week off. And I suppose your holiday started uh, last Friday after work. Uh, and for those of you not celebrating Thanksgiving, you're missing out, man. It's a really, really good one for us here in the United States. So, uh, yeah, uh, don't worry. We'll have two shows for you. We'll be right back. Where does Thanksgiving rank for you goes as far as your favorite holidays throughout the year? Hmm. That is a difficult question to answer. Number one is Christmas. However, 4th of July and New Year's Eve, depending on what I do, can really come close. Halloween... I don't really give a shit about. I, I do like scary movies and stuff like that stuff, but I ain't trick or treating. I'm too big for that shit. So, a I would say Thanksgiving probably comes in at like three or four. You? Well, I guess I should have had my answer prepared, knowing that I asked you that. Christmas is hard to top. And we used to have pretty cool Easter's growing up. Yeah. But right now, Thanksgiving might be third. I think fourth. Well, oh, man, I I might almost steal your answer. The barbecue. New Year's. And then probably Thanksgiving and Fourth of July. Fourth of July is nice. Don't get me wrong. I love the fireworks. I love the patriotism, Um, you know, summer barbecue. And sometimes in the past, it's even been tied to MMA. But Thanksgiving is four days during football season. I have memories of playing tackle football every Thursday. I have memories as when I was growing up, Wednesdays was a great night to go out and catch up with old friends because everyone comes home for Thanksgiving. So Wednesday night was a good night to party. Friday don't suck because you got leftovers. You still got Saturday and Sunday going, what's up? Let's do something. Mm-hmm. You know, so Thanksgiving's a beast, man. It's a nice four-day holiday. Yeah, but your Thanksgiving's different than mine. I have memories of putting out fucking turkeys and shit. Back-to-back years, almost catching on fire. Mashed potatoes squirting into your eye or something, burning your hand. You know it's a sucker holiday? Valentine's Day. I agree. That's where guys just get slapped around. Happy Valentine's Day. Get out of here with that shit. Girl just walks in the room and starts slapping you in the face from the morning till 
till the night. Everybody gets a shot too. The restaurant, Conroy's, the flower place. Everybody's getting a slap in. You know, I used to um I used to work at the front of a office that was a thousand employees. <laughs> so I remember how that was those days. You would see so many bouquets of flowers just coming through. And it was, you know, the ass kissers, the ones that wanted to make a statement for their ladies, the ones that were maybe trying to get out of the doghouse. I don't know, man, but I used to, I remember that, that, no, uh, you would just see them. And I, and I just remember thinking, wow, like, I wonder if this is like being someone that prepares taxes. You know, you have a busy third from, from like the third week of January to April 15th or so, maybe you stick around a few weeks and then basically that's, that's it. You know, you have some time before you have to start doing the, the later returns, you know, cause you, you buy yourself six months worth. Mm-hmm. I started thinking, I wonder if these people, they got it made. Like they work really, really hard, grab some extra workers a few times a year, but then the rest of the time you just kind of coast and live off the money you made from, from those special holidays or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, again, I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. Goes and I will still deliver another show on Thursday, if you're wondering. But let's get to this one. This one is about, I, I want to start with Bellator. Let's give them a little bit of love. Bellator 288 took place this past Saturday in Chicago. Chicago hasn't really had a show in a long time. You know, the UFC used to go there, I, I want to say almost yearly at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if not, then maybe every other year, and not since their existence, but you know what I mean, just like in the last decade or so. And I didn't even know this until I talked to Sean Lennon from the Fightly Report. He has me on his podcast before every pay-per-view usually. And we were talking about this. He was really excited because he was going to cover Bellator. And he says, yeah, man, they haven't been here in like three or four years. Now, it's not hard to believe because the pandemic set everything back. I get that. But uh, either way, you know, for the UFC or Bellator, someone have to go back. Kind of a big deal. So anyway, Bellator 288 had two two uh, big fights. Vadim Nemkov defended his Bellator light heavyweight title against Corey Anderson. He was an underdog going in. We stuffed like 13 or 15 takedowns, man. Anderson, the wrestler, could not get that part of his game going. And when they just struck... Vadim Nemkov got the better of him. So he won. He defended his title. And in the process, he won the Grand Prix title for the light heavyweight division. That included one AJ uh, Anthony Johnson at one point. The late, great Anthony Johnson. So he wins that belt. He wins the million dollars. And he defends his, his title. And, you know, how the fortunes change goes. Luck, I mean, life is a trip. I think that's a quote from a movie, but um, I think that's what Smiley said in training day. Life's a a trip, Kendall. When he finds out that Ethan Hawke saved his uh, niece, remember? Did you know that guy's like from New Zealand or something? Who? Smiley. Is he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. He, um, no, life's a trip because Corey Anderson really should have won that belt. 
six, seven months ago. He should have won a million dollars. The Grand Prix should be his. That's not to say that this, this wouldn't have been the fight where they run it back and Nemkov makes the adjustments, snags that belt back, but he can't take away that million dollars from Corey nor that Grand Prix belt. He can only now regain what what he would have lost that night, which is the undisputed belt. But instead, he gets it all, baby. Congrats on him. Stuffing 13, 15 takedowns is really, really nice, especially when you were getting your ass ground and pounded in that last fight. He apparently moved the American top team and just worked it, worked it, worked it. And I really couldn't believe the way the fight was unfolding, man. Congrats to Vadim Nemkov. That's quite an adjustment he made. I feel like he won that fight with jabs and calf kicks. Because he just kept Corey off balance the entire night. I mean, I just wasn't expecting that at all, dude. I thought Corey Anderson was going to steamroll him. Me too. Uh, if you would have told me Corey Anderson won a decision, I probably would have went, really? But to have it the other way around like that, man, that's pretty damn shocking. You, you got to give that guy his props. Nemkov is, uh, is tough out, especially when he fights that way. Because if you can't get in on him, then you're in trouble. He'll just pick you apart. Massive props. Massive props to Vadim Nemkov, who has already stated that he wants to do a trilogy at some point, not immediately, versus Corey Anderson. I, that was pretty cool to hear. It gives me something to look forward to in that weight class. But, I, and another thing, he called it a trilogy. You know, the fight went down as a no contest. But I think that was his way of acknowledging, yeah, he fucked me up. You know, six, seven months ago, but we're here now. I'm the champ. I, you know, I'm not going to give him a piece of the check. This is just the way it went down. Our, our heads collided, and that's what they decided. So here here I am. But he did call it a trilogy. He sees, says he wants to see it down the road. However, who he does have next is Yoel Romero. They announced the card for February of 2023, a fight card where not only do you get Nemkov versus Romero, you get Fyodor Emelianenko challenging Ryan Bader on the same night. This is Fyodor's last fight. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna make it an eff- Are you gonna make an effort to see that in person? You mean, right? Yeah. Yes, I think that would be pretty cool to see. The last time I went to the forum was to see Fedor and Bader throw down, actually, and. So I, I, I did go once, and if you'll recall, that's the night where I drove down, went to that event, drove back to Big Ralph's house afterwards, woke up, drove to Vegas, scooped you up, and then you and I drove down five hours to Arizona to watch the Royal Rumble with John Moraga. Was that so, the one where I got? Oh, no, forget it. All right. So I know I can obviously you know pull it off because i was crazy enough to do all that but uh yeah that this is gonna be historic and that's two title fights how can you top that man i mean whatever else they add to it probably some local talent it's gonna, be, gonna be a good card i don't know if i ever told you this but that drive home from the royal rumble was one of the scariest drives i've ever done in my life why um as I've gotten older, and I'm glad I spoke to my friend Rodney about this the other day because the same thing's happening to him. I don't really have eyesight problems, 
Um, but driving at night on the freeway, the lights that hit you coming the other way, after a while, they like make me dizzy kind of. But what might even be worse is when there's no one around. And what really makes me dizzy is when it's just all black and you can't like you can't even see like a mountain or something that you're coming up on. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like I'm going to drive off of the earth. And that was happening a lot that night. And then to top it all off, you have to go over that the Colorado River. That was hell, dude. I was I was like white knuckling it. I was like holding that steering wheel so tight. One of the scariest. I don't even know why I brought that up. But yeah, that was one of the scariest drives ever. Hmm. I don't remember that. I, I remember obviously snoozing part of it, but mm-hmm. I think I remember that part because didn't we pull over to a casino, an old casino in Boulder City? I think we had to use the restroom or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I believe you. That's what you said it, it was. That's what it was. That one in the Cajon Pass uh, this this past year. Remember when we were in the middle of that fog? That was horrible, too. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Luckily, everyone else was playing ball, and we were all going two miles an hour or whatever we were doing. Well, we had a cop in front of us, which helped us because we could see his little light, you know? Mm-hmm. He was an angel. Yeah, I remember going, wait a minute. I can't even see the front of the car. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to see the car in front of me when I can't even see the, the my own car? Like, we could have had a mermaid just laying on the hood. On the front, and we would have never known it. Yeah. Um, Yo Romero, he's got a two fight win streak going. He beat uh, Melvin Manhoff and Alex Polisi. Prior to that, he had lost four big fights in a row. Only one, really, technically, that mattered, which would have been, you know, a Bellator fight that he lost against Phil Davis. Remember where he said, I thought it was five rounds. <laughs> When they brought Yo Romero, I was like, he gets the title shot? But, you know, I think he's exciting. Scott Coker's trying to squeeze those last, the last out of them at 45 years of age. And I guess technically he is fighting off a two-fight win streak. Excuse me. And so he gets Nemkov. Fedor does get Bader. And if Fedor wins, he leaves as a champ. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a big trilogy to walk away from. And if he loses, then that's a wrap. When him and Bader fought, that's that one I told you about where um, the fans were in and into it, man. the There was a good Russian crowd, a pro-Fedor crowd. Bader had his people. But they smacked each other really, really hard right before Bader clipped them. And I told you that was the one where all of a sudden it was like a, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, like a vortex where it was like, like a vacuum. You know, all of a sudden this loud crowd. And I think that was a collective gasp going in and then outward, yeah, cheering or, you know, whether it was your fighter or, oh, no, that's my fighter that's going down. And I've only heard that twice. That was one. And then the one with Demetrius Johnson, just a bit of Vitas was another one where it's just this. Quick silence followed by a roar. Um, but um, you know, I, those two stand in my in my in my mind. I won't forget them. I, I'll definitely try and be there. Yeah, I have great memories of of Fedor Emelianenko, and I'm happy to have been able to see him fight. Because uh, 
I gotta remember, there's somebody that I haven't seen fight live that's a big name fighter. But uh I think I'm I'm gonna make the effort to see this one as well. But here's the thing, dude. Like the scenario where it's happening under is not what they wanted, you know, when this all started. They wanted to do it in Russia. Obviously, they can't do that now. But a lot of time has passed and Fedor is just not a spring chicken. So I don't know. I, I really don't like I just feel like uh I feel like Bader's it's probably going to be a repeat of the same same fight we saw last time, don't you? I mean, weren't we weren't we legitimately saying when Fedor was tapped out by Verdum, weren't we kind of like, hey, it, it might actually be time to like go away? Like, you know, even when Hendo got him, weren't we all kind of going? Maybe like, when Hendo got him, I think that would have been a bit pre premature, just because he lost to Verdum. That would have been his first one, just off of right. one loss. It's time to go away. He just didn't look. Uh, he just looked different. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, think about how long ago that was, George. That we were saying that. That was yeah. eleven years ago after he lost to Verdum, Antonio Silva, and then Hendo. Yeah, and, and, and here we are. Right we're still straight. talking about this. He's he's gonna fight again. Like, how crazy is that? He's that much older. I, I just feel like it's sad because Fedor's like one of my MMA heroes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see him go out this way, but uh, I mean, yeah, of course he's got a chance. But if you're Ryan Bader, man, I think you have the recipe to to not only beat this guy standing, but you know, possibly wrestle him. Um, it's just not going to be a good night, I don't think. Yeah, he's 46, by the way. Romero's 45, Malianenko's 46. Those are the two opponents for the champions. Nemkov, which is Fedor's boy, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, Invader. So, anyway, that's Bellator 290. It's at the Kia Forum in Inglewood, California. And it's coming up next year in February on February 4th. Yeah, February 4th, 2023. And guess what? It's going to be on CBS. So, a lot of people are going to watch this. Um. Anyway, the rest of the card wasn't too sexy. Well, no, I, what am I thinking about? I feel like I've already covered the co-main event. Let's cover the co-main event. And then after that, it wasn't too sexy, really, to tell you the truth. A couple upsets. Daniel James took care of Terrell Fortune. And Timur Kiz- Kizriyev defeated Daniel Weichel. So let's get to the co-main event, which was Usman Nurmagomedov challenging Patriki Pitbull Frady for his Bellator lightweight title. Usman Nurmagomedov is the cousin of Habib Nurmagomedov, and he's also the brother of Umar Nurmagomedov, UFC bantamweight. Hopefully uh, that clears that up. Usman Nurmagomedov likes to strike before he grapples, but man, when he grappled goes, it was pretty, man. He had well-timed takedowns, and it was effective, controlling, strong, like, He's got that in his hip pocket. It wasn't like, ah, you guys focus on the wrestling. I'm going to do this and just learn a little bit of wrestling. No, man, when he needed to resort to that Dagestani Russian combat sambo, um, he did. And that was basically the latter stages of the fight, you know, where he just basically, you know, suffocated Patriki. Um, But in the early part, he stood with him, you know, and, and he's pretty smooth, man. This guy, I'm really, really impressed by Usman Nurmagomedov. Dude. All right. I have a lot of respect for the Pitbull brothers. I have respect. 
I'm going to give both sides props on this. Nermago Medoff was insane. Okay. But there was a point where I think if, if you're Patriki, you probably knew I, I'm, I, there's a possibility I'm going to get jacked up right now. I don't even think I can win this fight. But he stuck around and he gave him everything he had. He kept trying, he kept trying, but literally nothing was working, dude. The timing on some of these takedowns, if you guys have never been taken down like that or have never played football, bro, when you're not like expecting a, a takedown like that, it takes a lot out of you. It takes the wind out of you. You get thrown on your ass. And you have to instantly think about this guy advancing position on you. I feel bad for Patricky, dude. He went through hell in that fight. This kid looks like he can reign for a really, really long time. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, who's going to beat this guy? Now, we have a killer in Yaroslav Amosov at welterweight. I think he's like 29-0 and 0 or something. He's the Ukrainian welterweight uh, that that beat, who was it, Logan Storley? No, he's got to face Logan Storley. They got to unify. Well, he actually, he's beating you, Logan Storley, but um, Douglas Lima. So he's he's been defending the country of Ukraine. He's training again. He's going to unify against Logan Storley, who became the interim in the meantime. But um, I don't even want to get into, like, yeah, I should go up and challenge himself. No, you know, defend this thing a few times. But I haven't seen a, a lightweight, I think, that can beat Usman Nurmagomedov. Um. Congrats to him. And Patricky looked like he was definitely heartbroken. His brother was there. His family was there. Wife, kids, everything. It just wasn't his night. But I'm not even sure that on Patricky's best night, he beats Usman or Magomedov. That It looked like there was levels here, man. That's that. That's my point. Is like you could only... You could just see the dejection in his eyes, like he, like he was just like he, he faced an animal or something, you know, a bear, and and that's a great fighter in Patricky Pitbull, a great fighter, but there was nothing about that fight that you could look at and say, well, maybe if Patricky did, no, this kid just seemed like light years ahead, and it's nothing against Patricky. I think he'd do this to a lot of fighters, um, and he's not what you would normally expect when you hear Nermago Medoff, right? His striking's not that bad. It's pretty decent. It's pretty it damn is. good, actually. Yeah. And then on, and on top of that, like, he's a little bit charismatic. So mm-hmm. I, I, think, uh, I think Bellator's got a, a good little star here. I think so, too. The minute they put the mic there and he started speaking English, he really connected with the crowd. Oh, by the way, this crowd was booing, too. This crowd was booing. And I thought they were jumping the gun a little bit because I will give the Dagestani fighters this. Makashev, the, the Nurmagomedovs, Magomed Sharapov. I hope he's from Dagestan. I'm not sure. Some of them are from Chechnya. Some of them are from, from other areas. But what I will say is they are very dominant and suffocating. But I don't, I don't see them stalling. Like I mm-hmm. see other fighters that I've covered over the years that that will that can dominate you with wrestling, but they stuff you and they but they stall, right? They can be crafty with it a little bit. No, me, I see them either there's a chance to beat you up or there's a chance to submit you. Now, Islam Makashev kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit. He said his strategy is to take you down and 
basically steal your soul. He didn't say it that way. What he said was, I'm going to tire you out. And then if I don't finish you that next round, you ain't going to be the same. You ain't going to be the same man. Cause I'm going to do more of this, but then that opens things up. Maybe he can knock you down or take you down again and beat you up, but this time finish you or submit you. Right. But I think a lot of it just comes from great conditioning, uh, great wrestling. And then they really, really learned a lot of Sambo jujitsu, um greco all of it really really rounded out their game and then when they have time they they strike you know but i uzman umagomedo is one of the smoother strikers out of all of them so i didn't think it was fair for them to boo i didn't think i i've seen other fights where the boos should definitely come down but this one didn't strike me that way uh i guess you paid your money or entitled say or do what you want i mean you mm-hmm. can't throw something at the fighter or, or whatever and you don't want to, you know, ruin the time of, of the people around you. But I guess what I'm getting at is if you want to boo, sure. But um, I was more in awe when I was watching. I, I remember just watching going, man, he can do it all. Like, I already was, like, fantasizing, and my mind goes, I wonder how he would do against Islam Makashev. Not that they would fight. Yeah. You know, they appear to be the same camp. I wonder how he would do against, you know, whoever the – the other lightweights are over at Belt or Queely, Benson, whoever else. You know, man, he's I think he'd smash those guys. And then I even started going through some of the UFC guys. I was just going, wow, this guy, this guy is great. And so then they put the mic in front of him and he starts talking. I think he wins the crowd back over. And I, I was like, shh. If if he plays his cards right, he could be a, a, a star for Beltar big time. Mm-hmm. But they gotta bring him people, they gotta feed the bear, right? They got to feed him some fighters. They got to give him some kind of competition. And I don't know that I feel like the UFC's poached more from them than Bellator's poached from the UFC. PFL's been able to kind of grab from the UFC a little bit here and there, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what Bellator, that's the problem with Bellator is sometimes they'll have fighters that you enjoy watching, but they don't have anybody to fight. And uh, this happens a lot in this division. So hopefully they can grab a couple fighters that's going to make it. You got to build that kid up because, um, you know, him, him just fighting lower level talent is not going to make anybody happy. We got to we got we to gotta test him, figure out where he's at. My strategy would be if you don't have if you have a shallow division, then build it all up from the from the ground up. If you're going to bring a veteran, don't bring a high pricey veteran. Bring in veterans like. Like Jeremy Stevens when he went to the PFL. He probably wasn't the priciest, but he still mm-hmm. had enough of a name. You know, something like that. I, I don't know that I would do an Alvarez or Pettis or, you know, other. Uh, Alvarez might not be too bad. But yeah, probably not Pettis, especially after that paycheck. Come on. Mm, exactly. So, but if you already have a division that's stacked, like Pitbull's getting older, the other Pitbull's getting older. AJ moved up to 55. You know, I guess we forgot AJ's at 55. So AJ versus Usman would be pretty interesting. I don't know that I want to see it right away. But if you already have a few stars, then add some more stars and capitalize on the now. Mm -hmm. Because in two, three years, some of those age and then the younger ones come through, but then the other stars are gone. And so you kind of want to do it all at the same time. And I guess if you think about it, that's no different than how you build – Teams, you know, if you're a veteran team like the Lakers, for example, you just try and add a piece or two. 
Yeah. And hopefully you can win a title. And then if you have not, then you got the team and you start over. And then they all get better at the same time. Anyway, Uzman Madoff, new champion. Congrats to him. He looked great in the UFC. Boy, what a catastrophe. The UFC had a card that wasn't sexy to begin with. There just was names is all there was, but there wasn't really uh, star power. So let's just go through the wins here. Natalia Silva defeated Teresa Bleda. Brady Highstand defeated Fernie Garcia. Vanessa Demopoulos defeated Maria Oliveira. Vanessa Demopoulos entertained me. She looked good. She fought better than I remember her. So she improved. And then she's really, really good on the mic. Spoke a little bit of Greek. Did that patented move where she jumps in the air and lets the uh, interviewer catch her. So that's cool. It's catching on. Ricky Tercios defeated Kevin Natividad. He was canceled for Christmas. Miles Johns defeated Vince Morales. Uh, Jennifer Maya defeated Marina Morose, also from the Ukraine. Shout out to her. Charles Johnson defeated Zalgas Zumagulov. Jack Della Madalina defeated Danny Roberts. Uh, Muslim Salikov defeated Andre Fialio. Waldo Cortez Acosta defeated Chase Sherman. Kennedy and Chuckle defeated Jan Kutalaba. Now, you know, as I was saying some of these names, I got to pay some respect. I know some of these names. They're good names, and some of them are still building their case. So I'm going to take back a little bit of what they said. I, I was almost making it sound like it was just filled with tomato cans. No, it wasn't that. It's just a far drop from the buzz of a pay-per-view. There you go. And then when you shove it early on a Saturday morning, it's like, ah, there's no buildup, you know, but whatever. I want to George, let me ask you this. You yeah. do the rankings. Are you going to have to do much here? Yeah, I'm not going to have to do as much here. No. And that tells a story, doesn't it? Yeah, but I but I'm almost I almost made it sound like it was an indictment against the fighters. Uh-huh. The fighters showed up. They got called. They signed a contract. They performed. They did their thing. I was entertained. It was cool. It was more towards, I guess, uh, the people that make the fights, the matchmakers, the UFC executives. Um, it just wasn't a, that type of a card that also attracts the others. Um. Don't you want to watch something where you know others are watching and others are giving as much of an F as you are? Like Squid and I, we're watching USC. I'm texting you. You're watching. I'm texting Dad. He's watching. You go on Twitter. They're watching. I feel like we're all watching a classic, you know, between UCLA mm-hmm. and USC. But here I felt like I'm watching Sri Lanka against India in cricket. You know, remember that movie, The Beach, with Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. Remember the black guy? He, oh, man, he wanted to get the newspaper and wanted to know the latest cricket scores, but nobody else gave a fuck. That's kind of how these cards feel like, where even, where if you hit hit up some of your casual MMA fans, junkies or whatever, I mean, I didn't catch that one, and they seem to have no problem skipping it. But you and I, we got it. We can't do it because it's our job. So we're sitting there. Again, we're watching Alcorn State. And West Virginia, like, oh, man, why did I get stuck on this one, you know? I want to watch USC, UCLA. I want to watch Ohio State, Michigan. I want to watch Alabama, Auburn. I want to watch the the big, big games, you know, and that's what a pay-per-view is. This isn't that. And they top it off. They lose They lose Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. When I was hearing that, I was like, oh, man. Now, granted, what do I always say? Put a bet on a fight and watch how interesting it gets. So that kept my interest a little bit. 
And like I say, some of these fighters, they did well, and they may be stars in a few years. You know, we might be taking some of this back. But right now, today, it was just a, it was just a card. It was a yeah. card. You know what I couldn't get over was Derek Lewis. Like, I've heard how loud he cracks in an arena. I can't imagine what that would sound like at the Apex, dude. With not that many people there, like you would hear every single shot. Dude, that guy hit so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, it's nothing too serious. And, you know, they can rebook this here relatively quickly. Uh, they're heavyweights, right? So it's not like you have to worry about these guys cutting weight or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It just kind of sucks. Like, uh, it did take the steam out of the card a little bit. Yeah. So he had what was called a stomach issue. The fight was scratched halfway through the card. And he was taken to the hospital. Now, the hospital already released him, and they gave him a clean bill of health. So what could have happened? That's what we're trying to find out in terms of did he just have something that didn't sit right for that moment and one of those pains where it's sharp and you're like, oh, man, this is awful. You know, but come to find out. It was just part of your digestive. I, I don't know. Maybe he got thrown off because the fight was earlier. Who knows? But what we do know is he's no longer in the hospital. He's got a clean bill of health. When they'll fight again, I don't know. And Derek seems to me to be a fan favorite and a, and one of the favorites for the UFC because he fights often on short notice. So I don't think they'll hold this one against him. During the week, he had said, kind of feel like I'm fighting for my job, but I think he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think because uh, if anything, like, why would you even want to strengthen another organization, right? They just keep him on your roster, man. He he does sell tickets. If I see his name on a card, I'd want to I'd want to go to it. Yeah, he was going to be the underdog in this fight here against Sergey Spivak, and with him feeling his back was to the wall, it would have been interesting to see how things played out. But all right, let's get to our guest. Jeremy Stevens is going to be fighting at PFL 10 2022 Championship. That's how they label the card. Takes place on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. They're at Medicine Square Garden in the Hulu Theater. And it is a pay-per-view. $49.99 will get you the event. Six title fights. And then a couple other pivotal fights like Shaman Marias versus Marlon Marias. That's where uh, Shane Burgos was supposed to step in. He was going to fight against Marlon Marias. Uh, and it's Shaman Marias that's stepping in for Shane Burgos. Aspen Ladd, she just got signed by the PFL. She's fighting Julia Bud who used to hold the UFC uh, Bellator featherweight title before losing it to Chris Cyborg Santos. So that's an interesting fight there at 155 pounds, I guess, because they're going to be part of the 55 stable going forward. 55 or 45? I guess they're going to create a 45-pound stable mm-hmm. going forward. And uh, Kayla's pretty much not going to do these regular seasons anymore. I think she's she's part of the PFL, and she'll fight big fights when need to, but... I don't think she's going to do next season is what it is how it appears. Let's put all that to the side right now and talk to Little Heathen, Jeremy Stevens. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. His name is Jeremy Stevens, also known as Little Heathen. He's going to be competing on Friday, November 25th, in New York City inside the Madison Square Garden at PFL 10 2022 Championships. Jeremy lives in America's finest city, and us as former SoCalers are jealous 
of the <laughs> beautiful weather that he has. We're here in Vegas where it's about 45 degrees, so not too bad. It's not Buffalo or anything like that, but we decided to match his look. What's going on, brother? Good, man. I didn't know it was 45 degrees. Yeah, it's mm. kind of cold here in Vegas, but uh, I've always been jealous of the San Diego weather. We're from Orange County, so kind of close by, and every time we go back, we're like, oh, man, I miss this weather. Oh, the nice area. Orange <laughs> yeah. County. Big dog area. Yeah, well, Born and raised. Have you yeah, seen the, uh, the real estate is expensive in San Diego, man? That's a nice area, too. Yeah, man, I uh, I bought for, you know, I wouldn't say cheap, but, you know, I, I bought for a good price and uh, the house has gone up tremendously. So, you know, nice. I'm excited. People nice. always ask me, you know, like, you know, would you ever move back to Iowa? And I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. I love San Diego. Uh, this is my been It's been my home for, you know, 13 years plus, And uh, I just enjoy it, man. Uh, San Diego is just something special, like you guys said. You know, being out here from from where I'm from, it's just a healthier lifestyle. Uh, the people here are a lot more friendly and just just um, good vibes. You guys know San Diego, yeah. baby. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. I think you made a good decision. It's only a three hour flight away if you ever want to go back and visit family and friends. But most right. of the year, you might as well enjoy that sunshine, right? That's right, my man. You know, we're already in this deep. We might as well just let the audience know. Just so you know, we're not like bragging or anything. But look. LA is not that far away, right? You got a lot in San Diego, Orange County. You got all kinds of sports teams, guys. If you miss the snow that much, Big Bear is not even that far away. There's beaches like 20 minutes away from you. Like you got to understand, we grew up in paradise. <laughs> yeah, that's true, man. That is true. You can go uh, snowboarding down a mountain in the same day, go surfing. Universal yeah. Studios, Knott's Berry Farm, Disneyland, Legoland, oh, yeah. SeaWorld. And the Just best your app move already. <laughs> this is true. Um, you know, I had heard that during the pandemic that the Fight Alliance kind of either shut down or moved or what. And so then when we knew we were going to be on, I went and dug dug in, and it seems like the the alliance the, team, the alliance team is together still training. So you so you guys basically just relocated, right? Yeah, there was a there was a lot going on. We were we were uh, we moved from Third and K. They wanted to build some Section Eight housing. A lot of people did not want that, and uh, we got we got uh, removed from from our old spot, which was on Third and K in Chula Vista. We ended up going down to the Barrio Logan. We were down there for some time. Our coach had put in money for showers and and fixing pipes. And man, we had a Rob Deerdick factory down in the Barrio Logan, uh, which used to be a bad place, and it's uh, totally revamped and just fresh energy down there. Uh, something happened. The city had shut that place down. We started moving around a lot. We were going out towards uh, East Lake, like an older alliance, which was kind of away from here. That's like in the Santee area. And then um, we stuck together. We were in Chula Vista. COVID happened. The guy wanted to sell the place. And by then, my coach was like, damn, you know, I'm running out of money to keep reinvesting in this. He was searching for some options. And uh, a lot of people don't know. I actually fought Choi and Emmett when I was just hitting pads in my parking lot with like the uh, my headlights on. Literally, it was like a Van Damme movie. Uh, I forget the maybe it was Lionheart, where they're like you know uh, all in like a circle of cars and like he ends up beating some dude's ass and like and that's like literally how I was like hitting pads and like uh, training for five round fights. It's not it's not the place, man. It's it's literally not. You know, you hear this all the time. It's 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 the people around you. Uh, the energy, 
and just just the work you're really putting in. You know, you can come from a, a, a nice home. You can come from a broken home. It's literally about the people that you're putting yourself around, the energy and trusting your coaches. And that's what we have. And, and a guy uh, who I know really well, Jocko and Joe Menino, who owned Victory MMA. I, I used to go there a lot when I was younger, first coming out here. I was training with that team quite a bit, working on my jujitsu. They opened the doors for us, Alliance team. And uh, all of us guys, you know, we have like a little small, tight-knit crew of, of Alliance members, which is kind of like our own little base. But I love that because, you know, I started out when there was the Alex Gustafsons, uh, Ross Pearsons, and, and so many big names. And there was only like a few coaches that you could just get work in. And there was a time where I was just a – young Jeremy Stevens that was just kind of like down the list you know so I always had to like work my way up in order to be seen get, get get on that that pad list and and be in the gym but I was always in the gym always looking around and now it's just I'm it, like my coaches are just dedicated to just a certain few and we have really good coaching at such a high level uh and our coach he's not like one of those coaches that's like oh don't go over there don't go over there our coach is so open and so awesome and amazing and trusting and loving that he he enjoys like when we're outside of camp and we're going to Andre Galvals, we're going to the Justin Flores uh, trainings that we're, we're going over here to the game breads and training with different teams uh, because he knows this game takes a lot to evolve. But when it comes down to fighting, trust, honor, passion, intelligence, and someone who knows the game, Eric Del Fiero and the Alliance team, is where it's at. And, you know, thank God for Joe Menino, Jocko, Dean Lister, and them guys over at Victory MMA. Uh, they opened the doors for us. And over there we have sauna, cold plunge, showers, uh, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a stable home of business. And, and we're looking to, uh, and we're continuing. And, and what we're doing now is to uh, grow the youth MMA and uh, open the doors for anybody who wants to come train and be the best fighter in the world. If you're looking for the jujitsu or wrestling, you know, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of places that that have that direct staple of jujitsu. You want to go to the best jujitsu, Andre Galvao and, and and them guys. You want to go be the best uh, wrestler. You know, there's there's other places, but if you want to be the best fighter and compete, make money, survive, have the that type of trust and, and coaching around, come try out Alliance MMA. Doors are always open. Very cool, man. I'm glad to hear this. Uh, gyms supporting each other when they can and veterans being able to help each other out all those names i'm very familiar with so that's uh, very very cool for you to give us that recap yeah um, you guys know i mean covid uh i'm sure everybody can kind of relate to that covid did a lot of a lot of people dirty but guess what man if you're a man you know and and you've been around in this this world and you have years in the game and you're probably you know past 25 26 years old you have experience in life and when life punches you in the mouth you know, you guys are close enough to the game. You got to get the fuck up and, 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 and muster up some strength and attitude. You know, we all got families. We got we got lives and, and, and things outside of fighting. And really what it is, like I said, it goes back to just having that good core group of people who just love and trust each other and, and can be there for each other to, to uh, you know, have a little bit of light in those dark times. And now that the dark times are over, you know, I feel like we're really thriving. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, let me ask you this. I'm going to state some reasons for why you people fight, you know, and, and I wanted to see which one's closest to you for this one coming up. Obviously, you want to probably stake your place for next year's uh, regular season and playoffs, the paycheck, being a part of the first historical pay-per-view, um, or even this one, 
fighting a former world champion who, you know, you've beaten your fair share of former world champions. So which is it? What is what is it that attracted you the most about this match of coming up against Natan Schult? None of it, man. I just feel like my soul's thirsty for a knockout. You know, <laughs> uh, the heathen is just raging, bro. Uh, with these performances and the losses, man, I, I really dealt with a lot in the last fight was just getting the win. But, uh, you know, my coach even said, I never seen somebody so upset about a win. Uh, but that's just the type of man I am. I, I, I want to go in there. I want to collect souls. I want to, I want to put people's lights out and leave a legacy, you know? Um, and it's not even about fighting, you know, look at my buddy, Anthony Johnson, you know, I'm just inspired by so many people's lives that he touched and, you know, not even people are talking about his fighting. I mean, literally the guy knocked people out so they don't fucking move, right? If, if there's really somebody out there like that, it's, it's probably him, you know, uh, that I would say that I always looked up to. But it's not even about that. It's about the life that, that you're leading, the, the trials and ups and downs that we were just talking about, the people that you're surrounding yourself with, you know, and, and growing and evolving. You know, life's, life's, or this fight game is going to pass me by. And I know that. So I don't really focus on this and that. I fought people with world titles. I fought for big money. I just want to leave an impact on this world. I love fighting. This is truly something that's just born and bred with. I love it. You know, I'll continue to love to challenge myself and the life that it brings and and the, the, the money and being able to invest in myself, invest in my kids, invest in the future so that I don't ever have to work a day in my life uh, once it's all said and done. But really, I just I just want to knock a motherfucker out. This is all this is really about. It's just my soul is starving. The heathen hasn't had a knockout in a long time. I haven't had a performance like I really wanted. And that's why, you know, I'm sitting here ripped as fuck, shredded, ready to rock and roll. I'm, I'm less than a week out. I'm, I'm ready to go right now. And I just, I'm real thirsty, bro. I feel like, you know, no disrespect. I feel like a goddamn serial killer who just needs to kill. Um, and that may sound a little bit weird, but, you know, it's, there's just something about that adrenaline, that feeling, that, that power, that, that just, it's a blood quenching thirst that, that I need. It's just to, highlight real somebody man I, I love it i don't i don't sleep for days after i fight you know when, and when i knock somebody out in an exciting style it just makes me want more and more and more and i just i love doing that i love performing i love walking around my house you know uh just celebrating or like feeling like i already won like celebrating like i just ran into the cage like i did not rafael dos años and and tons of other people i love to create that vibration those feels inside my soul because it makes me feel good. And that's like the law of attraction, right? If I, if I can already be it, feel it, and I'm doing these things, like I know it's going to come. And I just had so much like alignment in, in this fight, like after my last fight and I'm seeing it, I'm feeling it and I'm ready to go. Uh, the heathens ready to knock somebody out come Friday night. And I have the perfect opponent for that type of style of a matchup. And, you know, I do it because I love it. That's bottom line. There you go. I love the answer. I'm getting pumped already, man. Yeah. Thanksgiving on <laughs> Thursday, and then people are going to get the stuffing knocked out of them on Friday. Uh, you may have just sold some pay-per-views there with that one. I love it. And thank you for bringing up Anthony Johnson. That was another thing I was going to bring up to you. But towards the end, but since you brought him up, I was looking at the Instagram. Again, I see the, the Alliance fight team, you know, the picture that you recently posted, and then I saw your tribute to AJ Rumble. Man, that was beautiful. It was a Great story to see about how two guys connected and supported each other. He was at your wedding, you know, and then you explained about the late fight that you took, you know, the late notice fight that you took. And, you know, he was there to help and encourage and all that. That was awesome, man. I hope his family 
and friends can see all the beautiful tributes that have been written, written by many uh, yes. MMA athletes or notables or whatever. So thank you for doing that. But, you know, if you want to talk any more about Rumble, man, go ahead. I, th I think that's something that's really, really been great for all of us, lifting all of us, is hearing great stories. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny is that, like, you know, you're not really seeing, like, a whole lot of his highlights, like, out there. I mean, yeah, they'll show a little bit. But what I'm really seeing and, like, what I'm hearing from people is the type of man that he was. He was a God-sent angel, it feels like. You know, he was checking in on us, me and my wife, and, you know, when he's the one who's hurt. You know, you heard of Chad, uh, was it Boswick? You know, he just kept it kind of quiet, kind of played it off, never really told anybody, you know, probably those close really around him. But just just the life he lived, man. I mean, he was a, such a scary dude. But if you ever met this guy on the outside and and I mean, my family got a chance to meet him and was just like, wow, he's such a nice guy for how fucking scary he is inside the, the, the cage. But he was just a tremendous dude. And he really made an impact on the world. I mean, he's checking in on people when he's sick. He's lifting people up. And, and, and it's not just my story. It's 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 the truth and, and, and a lot of everybody else's story. I'm, and, you know, DC, he was talking about, and that, that is inspiring to me, you know, cause I'm, you know, people get to see my heart inside the octagon, but I'm, I'm a lot more of a genuine, Hey, how you doing? Checking in with people. And I've gotten better that over the years, talking, opening up, being able to share things and just uh, connect with people. And I feel like Anthony Johnson, you know, gone too soon, but, Man, the way he lived, the way the way he impacted people's lives, none of the fucking knockouts matter. None of that bullshit matters. It was the person he really was, you know, for 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 his family, for the for his loved ones, and for the friends and many many other MMA athletes that he inspired around the world. Uh, those are big shoes to fill, and I I, I plan to walk down the, the, that same path, and and maybe that's why we connected. We were both uh, scary dudes with with big hearts and and lots of love, man, and. Um, I love Anthony Johnson. I'm always going to remember him, and I know he's going to have a hand in the score Friday night. And now I'm glad we're wearing the glasses. I'm starting to get choked up because we're <laughs> bringing up a lot of memories. That he was a really good guy, and we have a soft spot in our hearts for for some of you fighters that your careers kind of go along the same lines of our our careers. And so you had brought something up earlier in the interview that I wanted to talk to you about, and you were talking about just growing up throughout your career and all that. And so when we first started interviewing you – you were like the new guy on the scene, right? This Jeremy Stevens guy, have you seen him? And, and before we know it, those guys kind of just transform into veterans of the sport, right? And that's with you feels like it happened overnight. Do you remember a particular moment or, an, or a fight or something where you felt like I'm no longer this young guy on the scene, I'm now an established veteran? And, and what did that feel like? Uh, you know, there was, uh, there's many times where, you know, I'd be at a, like a local MMA show, you know, out of town or wherever. And there was a guy who fought maybe in the UFC one, two times, maybe three times. And they're like, UFC veteran. And I was like, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but I was like, that's not a veteran to me. <laughs> uh, I didn't consider myself a veteran until I probably got damn near close to 20 fights deep. Because I was so young. I should have never beat Rafael Dos Anjos. I should have never beat some of these guys. It, it, I literally beat them on heart. Like, my skill level was was like far behind. And, and you know, as you can see throughout my life, Jeremy Stevens has evolved. I've, I've, I've constantly realized this game's changing. And I have to change if I'm going to be able to have longevity and keep a career in this sport. And I constantly had to, had to mix things up. So 
I didn't really consider myself a veteran until I got way, way deep in the game. And, you know, probably after about 20 something fights, you know, when I would go, go to places, Alistair Overeem, uh, Fedor and, and, you know, like some legends are shaking my hand and excited. You know, I go to, uh, uh, a UFC event with my wife, Israel Adesanya is like the heathen come, comes up, shakes my hand, you know, and, and even like fellow, fellow guys that I used to fight against always like coming up, showing mad respect. Uh, that's when I was like, you know what, man, maybe I'm making a, a, a an impact. That's cool that these guys that I look up to and the guys that I, that even fighting in my weight class that I'm like, damn, that guy's good. Uh, love watching that. You know, they they were, uh, fans and, 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 uh, became, so some people became uh, friends of mine as well. So, uh, that was definitely a, a cool experience, but you know, I, I still feel, you know, as much as it sounds weird, I still feel so young in the game because I'm always trying to evolve and change. And, uh, you know, this is my third fight inside the PFL third time's a charm. I wasn't happy with the last fight and I'm really looking to, uh, show my evolution and, and my progression inside, uh, inside that, uh, circle. So, um, great question. Thank you. Well, Another thing that was kind of touched on that it was literally the first thing I wanted to ask you about your intensity before a fight, during a fight, even afterwards, when we see you scream and all that, I was always curious, um, have you ever found anything outside of MMA that can match that feeling of adrenaline that goes through your body? I know a lot of people skydive, they hunt, they shoot guns. Is there anything out there that can match that? (laughs) I've been trying for years, my man. Um, doing all types of things. I, I never, I've never, the only thing I can really think of that kind of comes close was when I, when I started like hunting with my dad and shooting deer, like my heart would kind of get, get like, get like that and being able to kill and, and, and be able to cut it up and, 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 and harvest it and, and, and do that. But the hunt was always kind of like, that was exciting, but in fighting, whether I knock somebody out or, I just have a good fight or, or, or not even like, I, I don't sleep. It's weird. I don't know if anybody else is like this. I won't sleep for probably like at least 24 hours plus. Like there's, there's not going to be 24 hours that goes by. I'm going to be up watching the, watching the film, you know, because that adrenaline, uh, and I love it. It's such an addictive thing. It, it, adrenaline. I, I don't even know how to explain the, uh, the feeling. It's just, I've been addicted ever since I was 16 years old when I was inside a bar inside of Iowa and I got a chance to perform. Uh, you know, when, when I was young, before I was married, I was 16. I fought, you know, my, my sister was there. She was hanging out with some strippers that she had made friends, friends with, you know, you, you were getting the attention, the, you know, my style was exciting. So, so everybody wanted to be my friend. Everybody wanted to talk to me. Everybody was talking about me and I just kept wanting to chase that. You know, I went from being a kid who was, you know, very lonely, very quiet, very just kind of, uh, in his own little world to like being able to experience that adrenaline experience. And people wanted to be my friend to, to being liked, you know, I was like, you know, I was a kid who was once made fun of, picked on, bullied, uh, to someone who was being liked. So it was kind of all new to me, which, you know, it, it, it brought up those feelings of like, damn, I want more of this. Like, I want to do this. Well, it's like throwing a dog a, a bone and he goes back and get it. And he's getting a reward for, for, uh, doing these types of things. That's like, that's what it was. Um, I love that. You know, I love the fact that, you know, people were like going around and telling my dad that I'm, I'm fighting at a bar, you know, they're like, man, your son, he's really good. He's got an opportunity. My dad didn't like it at the time, but it was just that type of, uh, I don't know, that type of, um, energy, that type of, uh, feeling that type of energy is like 
it's almost like a type of power that you have. And, and, um, even to this day, I, I, I love every bit of it. It's, it's amazing. And I'm chasing it. And, uh, eventually I know one day that's going to go away. And just like we were just talking about with Anthony, I'm already going to fight on Friday night. Like I've, like I've already died, you know, and I've, I'm already living like I'm already dead. So it's just every day that I get, every chance that I get, it's a blessing. And, uh, you know, everything that I'm doing is, is going to be towards that next adrenaline rush. And that's, that's going to come this Friday. You know, I think we we brought up Van Damme earlier, and it got me thinking: Do you have a movie character or television show character that you feel like you're the closest to, where you could say, "I'm kind of like that guy"? <laughs> I I don't know, man. I'm probably more of like a serial killer than anything. Like Dexter? Uh, yeah, yeah, Dexter. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Like I got that thirst, like those urges, a Dom or a Bundy, you know, like I'm not like highlighting any of these guys. Like what these guys did was sick. But when I, when I, yeah, crack. Where'd the back come from? You had it the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Like to, <laughs> like to swing things, you know? Uh, but you know, something like that, that's, I have, I have a thirst that I have to satisfy. It's like, it's, it's not ever going to be satisfied until I, I, I go out there and you know, you have to earn it. You really got to put in the work to, to get the, to get that ultimate feeling, that ultimate adrenaline rush, you know, and, uh, Van Damme was somebody I, I really looked up to as a kid, uh, growing up. I love the fact that he was like kind of mental. He was good looking, he was sharp and he could fucking fight his ass off. And he always had heart. Um, the Ninja Turtles, I was always big into them, the, the, their ninja moves. And they're always like fighting for something good. I always, uh, felt like fighting for something good, something that you believed in with a, with a bit of respect and class on it was, uh, was amazing. And you know, what's funny is I always tell people, you know, there's like GSP out there. He's like, Oh, I'm a martial artist who, who learned fighting. That's awesome. You know, I, I feel like I'm complete opposite. I've always been a natural born fighter who learned martial arts. So therefore like Dexter, I was able to kind of channel that energy to something good to channel it to like, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a beast. Like I'm, I, I could go off in the streets and, and be robbing, stealing, selling drugs and, and be this kind of like hitman type dude, mafia boss or whatever. But I was like, no, I'm going to use this martial arts and channel this fighter. It was kind of like custom auto to Mike Tyson. He had something raw, something, something he knew that he had, if he just put a spark in there, it would, it would turn into that flame. Right. I knew with just being a natural fighter, natural born beast, a natural killer. And if I learn martial arts and I could channel this, this gift, then I'm going to have a life that I'm living now. I'm going to have a stable home. I'm going to have a career. I'm going to be able to have money. I'm going to be able to squash all the doubt inside my mind because I have structure. I have foundation. I have uh, a way of life. And the thing about martial arts is it's never just like it's a set thing. It's just a huge foundation and you can build on top of that foundation in any ways, levels, go dimensions and, and vibrations, anything that you want. And you're seeing this amongst MMA. There's such a huge foundation, but then you get different fighter styles. You got a Justin Gaethje, a Jeremy Stevens. You got the Israel Adesanya's. You got the the uh, the crazy uh, Zabits, the, the spinning stuff. And that's where I feel like one thing that I was able to do something and give myself a gift in life was be a natural born fighter with heart who learn martial arts and learn how to take that martial arts and channel it into something outside of just fighting and being a, being a savage. And it's really opened up a, 
tremendous doors and, and it opened up a realm for me and it's provided a lifestyle for me and it's provided a good life for me and my family and it continues to grow. And that's outside of fighting. I love it. I love the GSP martial artist fighter, fighter to martial artist. I, I love that. That was great. And even custom motto to Tyson. Mm-hmm. I remember that as well. Those were very, very good analogies. Um, you know, you held the bat. I just want to ask you this last thing on the way out. Did you get caught up in the Padres craze when they did the playoffs and the World Series? Did, 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 yeah, you did. Did you get to enjoy yes. that? Yeah, oh, shout out to my boy cool. Joe Musgrove, man. Uh, he uh, he provided some tickets for me this year, me and my family uh, going to the games. He's a big, big supporter. And, and, and there's another guy you can look up to. Uh, he's handing out turkeys out here for Thanksgiving. He's still continuing to, to do big things. And and the Padres, you know, they, they didn't have the – the tremendous like pitching staff. They don't have a tremendous bank account. They don't, they didn't have all that. They just had the energy, the connection and just the spark. And that's really what I saw is like, man, they're not really the best team, but when their spark is lit, they're yeah. unstoppable. And they did that throughout the year and, and, and had a, a, such a tremendous year. And you had leaders on the team like Machado really stepping up. Who's really kind of grown up over the years and, and just so many, so many other things that you saw and you can take from that. And just realize, like, damn, they weren't really the best. They they really weren't supposed to make it quite a bit, you know. And then they were able to kind of pull together, trust, coaching, you know, all the stuff we're talking about. Uh, huge inspiration. No doubt. I'm glad you got to enjoy that because that was pretty cool. That was a loud stadium. That was some passionate fans. Even when it was raining, they didn't care. They were soaking it up. It was um, lit. As always, Little Heathen, thank you very much for the time. I hope you have a – Great Thanksgiving, whatever you can have, or maybe it's postponed till after the fight. Save travels to New York. Go out there and beat some ass. Uh, do it like you've always done, like you and AJ have always done. You guys yes, are sir. terrifying mofos once you get into the game. <laughs> That's for sure. We got to give you those props. Yeah, thank you guys. And thank you guys for the interview and allow my uh, my reach to extend a little bit further. You guys, uh, you guys have been a part of this journey. And like you said earlier, you know, everybody, whether you're a fighter or not, you're fighting for something, fighting cancer, fighting for a job fighting to, to better yourself, fighting in school, wh- whatever it is. You know, everybody's a fighter. So never give up. Keep pressing forward. And, and, and always remember, keep keep an open mindset and and uh, always stay evolving. Good stuff. There he is, Jeremy Stevens, PFL 10, the 2022 championships on November 25th, Friday after Thanksgiving. Get that pay-per-view. Well, thank God you were here to know about these Ninja Turtles because I got a little lost when he went down that road. But uh... – <laughs> Yeah, he was dark at times, you know, so we were talking serial killers, and then all of a sudden we started talking Ninja Turtles. Yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting cat. That was fun. He, I'll tell you this much, he probably sold me on the pay-per-view when he was going off on a rant. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I guess that's what you want to hear from fighters. Uh, but Jeremy Stevens been around a long, long time, dude, and I'm just kind of happy that his frame of mind is a little different now. Like He just seems a little happier than he used to be. Mm-hmm. So good for him. Yeah, he'll be fighting um, Natan Schult, former two-time PFL uh, lightweight champ. So it should be a good one. Natan Schult is a good, good fighter. I really like this matchup. Also part of the PFL pay-per-view, like Go said, or the card. I'm not sure if he's in the pay-per-view portion or not. Let me look just to see here. They are disrespecting him, though, at the line. He might be still on the prelims, but either way, you know, you're you're tuning into the card or not. If you are, you get to see him. He may not be on the pay-per-view portion, but 
Mm-hmm. Maybe his fight will entice you to pay for it because there'll be more like it. Who knows? Thanks again to Jeremy Stevens for his time. And again, PFL 10 2022 championship. It's this Friday, uh, the 25th. So it's the day after Thanksgiving. The fights start at 5.30 p.m. Eastern start uh, Eastern time, 2.30 p.m. Pacific. And then the main card starts at 8 Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Kayla Harrison versus Larissa Pacheco at the top of the bill. Goes the card here that we were talking about, Lewis and Spivak. Um, a- any thoughts on any of these fights? The Salikov beat Phil Yao with those spinning kicks. Mm-hmm. He really, really made it interesting. And it was an interesting stoppage by the referee. Um, Waldo Cortez Acosta and, Sh- and Chase Sherman they really, really rocked each other pretty good, too. That's Kicked surprising and punched to the head, and then in Chuck will put out Kutalaba. Um, any thoughts on any of these? Yeah, Acosta, that one's a trip because we all know that kid packs a lot of power, but it seems like little by little he's starting to pick up on more of being a mixed martial artist and, um, if he can put things together, you know, the wrestling and just not being so uh, one-dimensional, I think he would have something there. And we've seen that happen before, right? Like, look at the guy that was supposed to be at the top, Derek Lewis. He started off that way, right? He was just hands. And little by little, his game evolved a little bit. I hope we can we can get that with Waldo. Mm-hmm. I would agree. The bonuses went to Natalia Silva. Jack Della Madalena, who I think, by the way, has amazing hands. He's already trying to get a fight in February on that card at in Perth, Australia. The one that has Makashev versus Volkanovsky and Costa versus Whitaker, and then the interim bout with Emmett and Rodriguez. He's trying to get on that one. In uh, Chukwu, Salikov. Madalena and Silva, Natalia Silva, got performances of the night. There was no uh, fight of the night. Yeah, and so this is going to be one of the final fight nights for the UFC. Here's what the UFC has left, if you're curious. There's a week off. There's no fights this weekend because of Thanksgiving, at least in the UFC. But on December 3rd, they come back with Stephen Thompson and Kevin Holland. On December 10th, it's the pay-per-view, UFC 282, with Prochaska and Teixeira, too. Then on December 17th, Cannoneer versus Strickland. And then uh, that's it. That closes out the year. Next year starts off with Imovov versus Gastelum. And then UFC 283 in Rio de Janeiro. Hmm. So, yeah. We will be doing a show... Like I mentioned before Thanksgiving, so want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving one more time. Um, PFL does have a card. Bellator doesn't come back for, I believe, a couple more weeks, right? Yeah, it should be. Let me see. Bellator 289. I want to make sure I got this right. Bellator 289 will take place yeah, on December 9th, the day before. UFC 282 and Goes and I will be hosting a UFC 
282 watch along. But that Bellator card has Stotts and Sabatello, Mix and Magomedov that completes. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I guess it doesn't complete. It sets up the, the finals for the Bantamway Grand Prix. And then Liz Carmouche will defend against Juliana Velasquez. She'll be defending her uh, flyaway title. And then, you know, other than that, I guess as far as the news goes, the only thing I guess that really jumped out at me is Leon Edwards, man. He said after three years have gone by, he still can't let go of three-piece in a soda. He says it's on either in the street or in the octagon, but it's on. He can't let it go. Yeah, that that's, uh, that's uh, you know, okay, when it first happened, you had that feeling, right? Then after a while, when Jorge started losing some fights, Leon was a little bit on on a streak. You kind of just started to feel like he didn't really care too much about it anymore. So I'm glad that he brought this up because I, I do hope at some point that they're in the, the same space, the same trajectory where this happens inside the cage, hopefully, you know, but I, I would like to see some kind of ending to it. Yeah. Greg Hardy in four rounds defeated um, Rockman Jr., in boxing, if that matters to anybody. Remember, Rockman Jr. was supposed to fight Jake Paul. That fell through. But uh, these two tangled. I know some mm-hmm. people became Greg Hardy fans. And then the only other thing is <laughs> Dylan Dennis. He took another loss on the streets. <laughs> he, um, I don't know if you guys saw the, the street fight that surfaced uh, down at the boxing matches in Austin, Texas. He got he got mixed up with some some people. I'm not even sure of the names, honestly, but he got socked pretty good um, by some cat, right? Well, now since then, I don't know if it's due to that or what, but Dylan Dennis is scheduled to fight KSI in boxing January 14th in London. So maybe all this work in the street beat goes uh, mm-hmm. netted him uh, a decent payday. Yeah, and and I do want to close with one one thing too. Congratulations to Christian Lee. It's pretty amazing what he did. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I, I do want to say one thing. Dennis is known as um as, as a submission jujitsu guy or submission grappling guy. You know, like I don't know how this is gonna go, man, for this box. Not good. But Dennis is a character. He's 29 years of age. He hasn't competed in a few years, but he got this fight, man. So good for him if that was the reason, you know, he went down there to pick a fight and he got it. Yeah, Christian Lee, man, this guy, dude, I'm putting him in the mix for comeback of the year. Last year, he lost his title to OK Ray Yoon. And since then, in 2022, he avenged that Yoon loss. So now they're even. He got his lightweight title back, and then he moves up in weight and defeats the welterweight champion. And so now he's a champ, champ. So that's that's a nice bounce back, man. After that, after that rough year in 2021, to lose your title cool. and come back and win too. So that's who I'm pitching for comeback fighter of the year. All right, folks, we are out of here. And since we'll be seeing you and hearing you one more time, uh, we'll, we'll wish you a happy Thanksgiving then. But uh, thanks as always for tuning in. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon.